Hey everyone, we hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. Well, we had some pretty big stuff happen in this last week. We just added another NBA player to the top 10 all time. If you're not into sports, I I don't know why you're here because we will talk about sports often and a lot. And so I just pray that you get some type of impartation of passion for sport. But I know I'm amongst people that love sports too. But the Golden State Warriors, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm gonna make it very clear. I am a Los Angeles Lakers fan to the core. I have been for 20 plus years. However, they stink. So I love watching the Golden State Warriors and the Golden State Warriors won the championship this last week. And because of any Warrior fans in here? Candid, okay, we got four over here. Graham, stand up, show everybody your shirt. Everybody, just look at this. Get used to this. Turn around, got Curry on the back. There we go. The greatest shooter of all time, NBA, it's not even a question anymore. Every three point he makes, he breaks his own record. That, and he is not even nearly done. But they won the championship this year, and Steph Curry had an incredible final. He got finals MVP, and I personally believe he is now in the top 10 of all time in NBA. If you dispute that, go talk to yourself about it. Do not talk to me about it. It's not even a question anymore. I don't even want to hear your case as someone else. So if you're wondering if he's the greatest of all time, I won't put him at the top at the moment. I believe MJ's at the top. But Curry, I'm telling you people, Curry is within the top three or four, in my opinion. So it's really quiet in here, except for this little section over here. What do you think? Yeah, we need to talk. Okay, we'll talk. All right. All right. All right, happy Father's Day. Looking forward to sharing today. Um, obviously, because I'm a dad, this is something that's deeply important to me. And I have an amazing father, have been privileged to be raised by, and he does too. So I've just been one of the, just incredibly grateful for just my own upbringing and the fathers, my obviously biological father, but just different men in my life over the year, different stages of my life. I can just think back and think there were seasons where certain men that were more fatherly in my life really shaped and formed me. So I cannot imagine my life without the presence of my own dad, but as well as just other men. And today I wanna talk about fathers. I believe fathers help to create the future. On our honeymoon, 25 years ago, I told my wife, I'm ready to have kids whenever you are. On our honeymoon. And she was like, whoa, whoa. Well, I'm just letting you know, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. You see, I grew up in a family where you got married young. I got married at 21 years old. Candace was 21 too. We had our first child at 23 and we're empty nesters at 43. So we just started early and got, got, got to business. I'll just leave it there. But I grew up in a family that got married young and having kids was considered an incredible blessing. It was almost, um, I mean, I, all my cousins, if you know my family at all, all my cousins on one side 
I think they all got married between the age of 18 and 21. And some of them have four, five, six, seven kids. So that's the upbringing that I grew up in. And I think we have the least amount of kids. Yeah, we have the least amount. And, but we have the best too, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> but you see, I grew up in a family where getting married young and having kids at a young age was something that you just really look forward to. I remember the young boy, like probably, I'm gonna guess junior high-ish, definitely high school, I was so excited to get married and have kids. Like it was something I looked forward to. It was something that was such a big part of my own, just looking forward to the future. And a number of years ago, we were in another country doing a conference, and my friend who was running the conference asked me this question, if there's one problem that you could fix in the world today, what would it be? I instantly said, fatherlessness. And he was surprised. He said, so you're not going to pick poverty or, or homelessness or world hunger or crime? I said, those are all important. There's no question. But I actually believe because there's not enough fathers in the world, a lot of those problems are existing because of that. Do I think fatherlessness will solve every problem? No, because you're dealing with two people. You're dealing with the father and you're dealing with another human being who still has to make a choice. But I believe it's inevitable and the probability, the likelihood of the world becoming a better place will only increase when fathers become present again in the lives of people. It's interesting when you look at the movie industry, how many movies are shaped around the experience of or the lack of fathers. Just imagine if Odin actually loved Loki. Loki might have not tried to take over the universe. Imagine if Star Wars, I mean, where do we begin? I mean, Star Wars alone. I mean, if, if there wasn't such a father issue and a father wound, we would have no Star Wars. The entire premise. I mean, Marvel movie industry, it built around father wounds. Ant-Man. I mean, Ant-Man, that guy, would, would, he had some issue, but he loved his daughter. And he, got, he gave her ugly dolls and learned magic tricks. And he crawled out of the quantum realm just to get back to his daughter. And she knew that. You see, we live in a world where movies are shaped by this idea of a father. I mean, I could go on and on and on. You have Black Panther. T'Chaka was a good dad to T'Challa. That's why he was a good Black Panther. Tony Stark. Iron Man. His entire existence was driven by this belief that his dad didn't love him. So he was trying to take over the world and prove himself. His entire life was built because he didn't believe that his dad loved him. I mean, movie after movie, Mrs. Doubtfire. It's amazing what a parent, a dad will do just to be around his kids. You see, this whole idea of fathering, the whole idea of being a dad is, is such an integral, vital part of the human experience. It's not something that we can treat lightly or look at it lightly. It, it, it's something we have to take very seriously and take a really good look at. And we live in a time and day and age right now where culture is attacking just about everything, but there's no question culture is attacking manhood. Culture is attacking the idea of fathers. It's attacking that very idea. And it's, it's interesting being a man today because the, the options seem to be be silent, don't be confident, and don't be a dad, and don't be a man in this context. 
And I'm telling you that the response has to be in, done in such a way because I believe fathers actually help to create the future. I believe what you and I as men, as dads, do we actually are creating a future. It's not sexy, it's not attractive, and it's definitely not easy, but it's necessary. This idea of fathers taking their place, they say most crimes, most social statistics that are really bad is because there are no fathers present in the home. Now, the idea of father is, is a mixed bag. I understand in this room, I could, we could do a quick poll or survey and say, so how was your relationship with your dad? Or what was your experience with your father? We're going to get a mixed bag of results and experiences in this, in this room. You're going to have some of you going to be like, man, it was the best experience ever. My dad was X, Y, and Z. And others of you are going to be like, eh, there were some great moments. There were some really bad moments. And some of you be like, it was the worst experience I've ever experienced. I'm still recovering from all the trauma and the lack of, of my father in my life. So in this room alone, we've got a mixed bag. And that's, that's the crazy part about this conversation. When we say, you all need a father, some of you are like, I'm good. If you had the father I had, you would not want a father. So we have to ask the question, so what do we do about this conversation on fathering when, when some of our experiences are mixed? And even great fathers still have some issues. I know I personally am not the best father. I know I'm a good one, but I've got some stuff that I continually need to work on. Being a father to young children is very different than being a father to teenagers. And you know, when they're young, there's so many dynamics, but you're very practical. You're just helping them get ready for the day. You're just helping them to get through life. You're just very practical. You're driving them around. You're feeding them. You're helping them with all variety of whatever it is in sports. But something happened in teenage years. They don't want you to help them anymore, but they want you to be available. And so what's fascinating about teenagers is specifically daughters. We have two daughters. We will put them to bed until high school. They started putting us to bed. So if you're a, a young parent in this room and your kids aren't teenagers, I'm just going to tell you, when you get to teenage years, at least with our experience, we were just talking to some parents this last week, and they said, oh my gosh, our, our, our daughters are keeping us, late, keeping us up late into the night, because they don't open up till about 10 or 11 p.m. And as you're dozing off, they come in your room and all of a sudden they want to talk. And you're like... Where were you the whole day? I was available all day long. How many parents know what I'm talking about that have raised teenagers? And it's like, dear God. So it's just, that's, that's teenagers right there. You're just, um, you just need to be available. It's not like they want you there all the time, but they want you within reach. So if they need you, they come get you. Now we're in a very different stage of parenting. Our girls are two adult daughters, and we are frantically trying to find some wisdom and advice on how to parent adult daughter. It's just a different animal. It's, it's, uh, it's a very different animal. We'll just leave it there. So this whole idea of fathering, so what do we do when we go, okay, we need fathers. We need you to be fathers. We need you to be present. But all of us have a different experience with it. Let's first acknowledge the fact that one of the most integral parts of your human experience is having a father in your life. And to the degree that it was traumatic, painful, or just chaotic, I believe it to the degree it can be redeemed. Let me say this again. Some of you need to hear this. 
to the degree you've experienced trauma, pain, bad experiences with your dad, to that degree, I believe to the degree and more, it can be redeemed, restored, and healed. And if you're in this room today and you're thinking, my heart is too wounded to trust again, I believe it can completely be redeemed. My experiences with a father in my life were just way too painful for me to ever trust another man again. I'm telling you today, it can be redeemed. It's just a matter of you submitting your life to Jesus and letting him disciple you back to a place where fathers can begin to treat you the way that you've always dreamt of. In fact, I believe your soul longs for. So this whole conversation on fathers is interesting. So we have to ask the question, when God says he's our father, he actually introduces himself to humanity as a dad in the book of Exodus. If it was before that, there's no biblical reference to it. There's, there's some hints and clues, but it wasn't until Exodus. He actually tells Moses, he said, Moses, tell Pharaoh he better let my kids go. It's one of the first times in scripture in the human story where God introduces himself as the father to the nation of Israel. And he said, tell Pharaoh, he better let me go. So here we have this, this picture of God saying, I'm your dad, I'm your father. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Four Loves. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. And he's working with the idea that there are four Greek words that describe love. We've gone over this before, but just for context, I wanna read it to you guys. There's four different types of words. Two of them are actually in scripture and two of them are not actually in scripture, but they were, they were Greek word to help define and help to bring some articulation to different types of love. The first one I wanna mention is phileo, which is friendship love. This is the love that you feel towards a friend. It's phileo, so it's a friendship love. There's storge, which is protective parental love. I remember when my first daughter was born, I remember before I had children, I thought I will do everything for my child or children if I got blessed with more than one. But no one could prepare me for that night or that morning on December 10th, 1999, when our firstborn came out. I literally thought to myself, I will give my life for this baby. That's storge, that's parental love. It's a unique, special kind of love. And dads and moms in this room, you know what I'm talking about. Something erupts in you. You knew it here, but you never knew it here. The third one is eros, or eros, is romantic love in the context of a sexual intimacy, where we get our word erotic from. The fourth one is, is I believe, the most important. It's agape love. Let me read you one of the definitions. Agape love is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape isn't born just out of emotions, feelings, familiarity, or attraction, but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. It's actually mentioned, depending which translation, it's mentioned over 100 times. Some translations mention it over 200 times in the New Testament alone. Here's the beautiful thing about these four definitions. If you're not shaped primarily by agape love, then your friendship love, your parental love, and your sexual intimacy love will be perverted. So the idea that we are being shaped by the love of God which is the most premier expression of love. God doesn't just agape love, he is agape love. So the idea of our, the ability to parent, 
The idea to love our children the way we were designed to love in its most beautiful way, the way friendship love can take place and transpire between two friends, and the way that in the sexual intimacy in the context of a covenant with your spouse, all of that can be fully experienced the way God designed it as long as you are shaped by his love first and primarily. So if you're in this space today and you're definitely hesitant about a physical father in your life, whether it's biological or someone else, I want to encourage you, let that not drive you to the caves of darkness. Let it drive you into the lap of God. Let his love be the one that shapes you, heals you, restores you, and redeems you. Because it's in that place of being shaped by this agape love that you learn how to express the other loves in your life in the way that you were designed to do and experience. I read this article about a man who was, he was in a bathroom in an airport in Tel Aviv, and he was watching the Jewish dad and his, and his son. And they were washing the hands, they're having this dialogue, and he heard this dialogue as he was teaching his son how to wash his hands. And he heard the father say, I want you to call me Abba. And he thought, that's really interesting. He's teaching his son how to wash his hand. And he tells his son, I want you to call me Abba. And he learned something that day. The word Abba doesn't just mean a father, a closeness and a togetherness, but it's actually aspect of Abba means to obey. Which is interesting. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to take a kind of peculiar little passage, and if you don't have the context, as you're turning there, this is Jesus. He's actually on his way to the cross. He's in the final days of being on earth before he gets thrusted into what we call the crucifixion and the entire court case surrounding him heading to the cross and dying for us and ultimately resurrecting from the dead. And right before he's about to go through this plan that's been in the making for, at this point, all of the human story, there's a moment where Jesus takes some time to talk to his dad, to talk to God. Matthew, Mark chapter 14, verse 35. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Let's read that last prayer again. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. This is an interesting conversation. We're getting an insight to this relationship between Jesus and God, Jesus and the Father. And he comes to him, he says, Abba, Father. He doesn't just say Father. He says, Abba, Father. And he says, God, I know, Dad, I know you can take, the, will, you, will you not let this thing happen? What would Jesus experiencing? He was experiencing the weight of what was about to take place of him going to the cross. He was experiencing that. So you can imagine, sometimes we think Jesus was like, man, I can't wait to get crucified. I can't wait. No, Jesus was definitely experiencing it much like you and I were like, God, if it's possible to not go through this, it'd be great if we can end this idea that we started with. But in the same sentence, he said, it's not what I will, but what you will, I'm going to now do it. So what did this show us? That a relationship with the Father is one of together and closeness, and it's also one of I will obey you. 
I want you to hear me. Some of us love being close to God, but we don't want to obey him. And how come I'm not experiencing this gap, this void in my soul isn't being filled? Possibly because you're more interested in just being close, but not obeying. And then some of us are wired the opposite. We're like, man, I love obeying. Just give me a list, but I don't, I'm good with no closeness. Just give me a list and I'll just do the list. I'm a great obeyer. Give me a list of commands. I will follow through. I will make you look like a genius. And God's like, I want to be close to you. So I want to challenge you to this idea of fathers in life isn't just to obey and it isn't just to be in a space of intimacy together and closeness. It's actually both. And this man was watching this Jewish father teach his son. And you could tell the article I read, he could tell they were very close to each other, but he was teaching his son, son, I want you to call me Abba. Because it means you want to be close together with me, but it also means you need to obey me so I can teach you to how to be who you're supposed to be. So the idea of fathering, it's also designed to help you become all that you're supposed to be. And what the challenge is, we live in a Western context that's very much about what I get to do and what I want to do. And so we get all these self-help books. We go to these self-help conferences and events, and I love it. I think it's powerful. But sometimes we lose sight of something, and it's more self-centered than it is about actually submitting ourselves to a father component, a father dynamic. Some of you, maybe today, all you're getting out of this, and this is, if this is all you get, I'm happy about this. You realize, wow, I want to be close to God, but I don't know if I want to obey him. And some of you are like, man, I'm great at obeying, but I realize I'm not together and close with him. Maybe today's your day to start going, you know what? I want to learn what it means to call him Abba Father. I want to know what it means to let him into every aspect of my heart, my mind, and my soul, and my life, and say, God, I want you to teach me your ways, and I want you to be together and close with me, and I'm going to give you everything that I know how to give. One of the greatest gifts a father can give is their presence. Dad, you showing up is a powerful thing. You simply being in the environment. Let me just take a quick silent poll. How many have ever been in a space? Picture a space somewhere where there's lots of activity and a certain man walks in the room and the environment adjusts. And I mean more on the positive side. There's something about when a dad stepped into a situation, the room can feel it. You can feel it. So one of the greatest gifts you can give is to simply show up. It's to simply show up, be faithful, and be present. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give your children. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give to people that need fathers in their life. And I believe we have an opportunity here. I believe Studio has an opportunity in the context of culture today that is specifically aimed at getting rid of manhood and getting rid of what it means to have fathers in our life. And I believe my prayer today is that some of you that are hurt because of your past experiences, that the Lord is actually touching your heart right now to bring healing, to bring redemption and restoration into that space in your life. 
Because everything in you is wondering, are you the Tony Stark? Are you Star Wars? Or maybe you're the Mandalorian that's taking the baby Yoda and protecting him, make sure he doesn't get killed. You see, all of these movies, all of these stories represent different experiences with fathers. And I want to challenge you, wherever you find yourself in those different stories, and obviously there's scriptures and all kinds of stories in the Bible, but my heart is find out where you are in the story of fathering. And some of you may think, I don't know if I'm going to be a good father because I never was fathered. Some of the bad dads that I know started something for the first generation. They had horrible upbringings. Sometimes the worst upbringing, sometimes the product of that is an incredible father. And I want to challenge you, if you're in this space today, no one taught me nothing. I've had to learn everything on my own. Guess what? You have an opportunity that not everyone has. You get to start something. So generation down the road, so have a vision for your future. Have a vision for your family. Have a vision for your own legacy. Because you weren't taught, it doesn't mean you can't learn. It just means you have more probably work through, which is okay because guess what? The more ground you gain in the context and contracted with how you were raised and how you were taught to be a dad is an amazing moment. You're going to stand before God someday and say, God, you know my childhood. You know my experiences. And look what I've done because you've helped me and I let you heal my heart. Look what happened. I started something in my line. So have a vision for your future. Don't just think, I'm just trying to survive. Think, how do I thrive? How do I get a vision for my children? If I had to do it all over again, I would only increase my vision for my daughters. I thought I had a vision. I look back and say, dang it, I wish I had a bigger vision. So don't live thinking that you've got to figure, expand your vision, expand your idea of what it looks like for your family. Don't think bare minimum. Don't think, I'm just hoping to get them out of high school. I'm just hoping that they make it through the worst years of their life. No, think beyond that. Set the bar high for yourself. Be intentional with your children. Be intentional with the people in your life. Have a vision for your future and start and be willing to do the daily necessary things that are not sexy, not attractive, and especially not cool. Be willing to do that. When I was 12 years old in the middle of the night, I wasn't quite asleep. I usually take a while to go to sleep. But once I'm asleep, I'm good. But this on this particular night, the door was open in my bedroom and the hall light was on. And I was just kind of phasing out and my eyes were slowly shutting. And then I saw this silhouette figure come into my room. I'm like, who's that? And I kept my eyes kind of squinted and it was my dad. I'm like, what's my dad doing in my room? It's late. He came to my room and my brother and I shared a room and Brian beds on the other side of the room. And at the time I had a water bed. <laughs> it was the coolest thing in the world. It was my eighth grade graduation gift with a water bed. Anybody else have water beds in here at some point in their life? Everybody over 50 or something? What's going on here? So I had a water bed, and I don't know why. I just, I just remember loving that water bed. And so my dad walked over to my brother, and I'm like, what's he doing? And I saw him put his hand on my brother's chest, and Brian's asleep. 
And I, I, he just kind of doing this. I'm like, what's he doing? And then he comes over to me and I'm like, close my eyes. And I felt his hand on my chest and he's kind of mumbling. I'm like, huh. And then as he walked out, I kind of opened my eyes and he just left the room. I forget when I, I think it might've been the next day. Within a couple of days, I'm like, hey dad, the other night, you were in my room. He's like, oh, you saw me? I said, yeah. I said, what, what was going on? He's like, oh, I've been doing that since you were born. I come in every night and I pray over you, your brother, and your sister. I'm like, you have? I said, yeah. I said, what are you praying? He said, oh, I pray a couple things. I always pray that God will give you a heart to know him. I said, Wow. In the diverse in Jeremiah, he said, gives us permission to pray for someone to have a heart to know God. And then he would pray over us specifically what he felt on us. So I was so excited to have my own kids. And sure enough, every night. Now, I couldn't go in their room because there was such light sleepers, it would wake them up and there'd be a long night. So I would stand in the doorway and just be all, I'm like, I really want to sleep tonight. I don't want to be up. I don't want Canada to be up. I'm just going to let them sleep in peace. And as they got older, I would go in and lightly put my hand on them. And, but every night from the moment they were born, I would just pray over them. And I pray they would have a heart to know God. And then there are two other things that I pray over them that are very personal of what I felt the Lord showed us for both of them separately. You see, this is what fathers do. We, we, we lay one brick down one day. We lay another brick down the next day, and we just keep, we're, we're faithful, we're steady. We bring confidence into environment. One of the greatest things you can do as a father is put courage in people. And how do you put courage in people? It's actually encourage. It's actually taking courage in your own life and putting it in there and saying, I believe in you. I think everyone in this room can think of at least one person in our life that's, that believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. This is what fathers do. We're willing to be faithful. We're willing to just, let's do it now and we're creating a future that we dream about because of this stone, this brick we're putting down. And pretty soon the years go by and now you've got a foundation and now you've got a place for people to emerge, your children or people that you become fathers to. All of a sudden, now you've created this context. you created this beautiful environment because of your strength, your faithfulness, your commitment, your ability to put courage in people, and simply believe in people. So my charge to you, church, is fathers. We live in a time and a day and age where we don't need less fathers. We need fathers 100x, 1,000x. And what a moment for us to step into that right now. So why don't you stand? I want to close. Thanks for listening. And we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram and look for studio.greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week and we'll see you soon.